Hey guys, so today's episode, we got my boy Manny. My man Manny here has been here for uh, just about 40-something minutes. We've kind of kicked it, we've kind of chat. We're about to go and dive deep into where he's been, where he's at, and, and all the little nitty-gritty stuff that we've all gone through as Christians. And so definitely stay tuned till the end. You're going to love this. What's going on, my man, Manny? What's up, bro? How are you, bro? I'm Yo, good. I'm good, man. We made it happen. I'm very stoked to be here. This is literally the first podcast I've ever done, and uh, I couldn't be blessed to uh, do it with a more renowned friend to, my, to me than you, Josh. Uh, I've known you since when in high school. I feel like we knew each other before high school. You're absolutely right. You did go to Fairhaven, right? Yeah, we did. You did go to Fairhaven. Imagine that. My memory is terrible. Oh, man. Yeah, nah. So, man, we've been through a lot. I mean... We've been through middle school, high school, and there's just so much in between mm-hmm. from like gaming, dancing, martial arts, just a whole bunch of <laughs> common military background, common military background. Um, there's just so much to to dig. And so we can't waste no time. Yeah. No time. Not at all. So we're going to dive right in. So, so Manny, Manny, where have you been? Uh, ooh, I've, I've been out and about. Um I've been brought left and right with uh, places. Uh, I started here in Connecticut. Uh, always had a love for Connecticut, too. Somehow, all my friends would say, how, hey, Connecticut's too small to stay for me. I want to get away from here. But um, I always have found acquaintance to here, mm-hmm. uh, especially New Haven. And I don't know what it was, but I always had to find a way to come back. So uh, growing up in New Haven, uh, joined the military. I was stationed in San Diego, California for a number of years and uh, able to tour uh, in Bahrain for my first deployment, and then take two tours of Asia as well, where I was stationed in Japan. Or I'm sorry, I was deployed to Japan and, uh, you know, off to places like Guam, Korea, um, a time in Indonesia as well. Just all about uh, all around the world. That's and, dope. That's yeah. dope. That's dope. Yeah. And it was Marines. Yes, sir. Marines. All right. So what? What made you choose Marine? Actually, let's go back. Sure. Go back. I want you to tell me, and I want you to tell everyone else who's who's watching and listening is, like exactly how you grew up because you, you you were your pastor's kid, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm not exactly sure if your if your dad is still preaching, if your dad is still in in the uh, you know in that line of service, mm-hmm. uh, but not everyone. Not everyone goes through that. Not everyone goes through being known that their father is a pastor or maybe having a magnifying glass in your life because everyone's assuming that you're like a prodigy, right? It's like mm. your father's a preacher, so therefore you might be a preacher. Maybe that's kind of like your footsteps, but that may not have been your goal. So I, how about you go and, and share us a bit about who you were before? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right because uh, me and my brother, uh, I'm the youngest of four. And I only had one older brother. The other two were older sisters. And uh, you're right. He and I were kind of projected to be taking the mantle when we uh, grew up into our faith and, you know, grew in maturity where we'd be, you know, preaching the gospel as well. Uh, That was a bit of a goal growing up. But um, with time, uh, the goals kind of changed. But I always felt still that calling to be able to, you know, uh, display the gospel one way or another. Um, But, yeah, I grew up uh, in the faith uh, and... I'm sorry. I hope I'm still going down uh, down the line of your line of questioning. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, definitely. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was a bit of a man magnifying glass, and I got a couple notes here. So let me see if I could just kind of like uh, yeah, uh, dissect it, some it, yeah, of these absolutely. notes. 
But uh, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. No, yeah, I guess I don't even know where to go with the question, but yeah, yeah. being a pastor kid was quite the interesting experience. Yeah, the, the reason why I ask is because there's a lot of pressure in that. Mm. And, and, and I think that people who are a PK have this stereotype that they're going to rebel. Mm. They're more likely to rebel. Yes. Right. And I was looking at some of the statistics online talking about the, the PK and the stats. And <clears throat> they're saying how one, one in, I believe, 10 are become non-believers. One in five or six are still in the church. And, and some other stats that I'm, I'm not exactly sure I'm a big fan of. And so I wanted to see how did that play a role in your upbringing, right? Because I didn't have a mom and dad as a, as a, as a pastor. And so for me, I could make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I, I could go ahead and, and rebel and be that prodigal son that someday at some point I'll come back. Yeah. But it's a little difficult, I think, when your father's preaching and everyone knows your father and they know you because of your father. Mm-hmm. You have a point because uh, you're right. There definitely is a stigma uh, surrounded uh, by being a pastor's kids. And I don't know if maybe I was just one of the unique ones. Maybe I was one of the boring ones in the, in the sense of <laughs> that, uh, you know, my, uh, my sibling group, we, we grew up very, very uh, well-mannered, I guess. You know, I don't think any of us necessarily had a uh, rebellious phase, but I'll admit, hey, you know, myself and my second oldest sister, we kind of had that adventurous nature. We both like to, you know, be out and about and explore the kind of that extra version that we have within us. Um, but aside from that, all four of the siblings, we've maintained some level of faith. Um, I know that my older sister and my older brother, mm-hmm. uh, definitely still go to the same church considering we all live in the same state, except that second oldest sister. You know, she's very, uh, I like to call her nomadic in a sense where she likes to travel out and about. She's, um, moved from places like Arizona to North Carolina. She's spent time in Australia, just kind of really exploring the world mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, r- r- really coming to find roots, I guess, in a sense with, um, with uh, with the literal earth, and, and I can appreciate her so much for that. But yeah, we've all maintained this semblance of spirituality, and like I said, that stigma is, is a little weird. Like all, all the people in, that I knew in high school, mm-hmm. when they found out that I was a pastor's kid, they're like, oh, you know, you're going to rebel. Oh, you know that, um, you know. Uh, Man, the pressure. I know, right? And and it was even worse. I'm, I'm To put it lightly, I'm very glad that, uh, in, in a sense, to be male, because if I was a female, I can only imagine the stigma applied to, to ladies who are like, oh, you're going to be a this, you're going to be a that, you're going to rebel in, in a sexual manner, you know what I mean? And that was never my experience. I, the, the, the people that I knew growing up in the church, uh, you know, the, the, the females included, we, we, we all kept uh, a semblance of, you know, I, I won't say purity, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll, I'll say something along the lines of like uh, chastity and being able to like, you know, uh, a hold and what, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit of restraint, I guess, is where I'm going with it. Yeah, yeah. um, I think I think for someone who is a non-believer, probably doesn't even partake in the church. May Mm. they might even be in the church, but they probably don't even understand what Scripture has to say, referring to what we are and 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 how we're shaped. Mm. Right, we're born in sin, shaped into iniquity, Mm. and and so someone from the outside would say, "Well, you're a Christian. You you have to you know live a perfect life. You have to be sinless. You have to be holy." But they don't. I don't think you understand that just because you are a PK or just someone who's sitting in the pews, you are imperfect, mm-hmm. right? And so the church is literally a place that we, as imperfect people, recognize that that Christ is the Savior. It's yeah. a hospital, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think once I understood that, that's when I realized, like, 
this this facade that I was putting on for many years that I had everything together, like I don't want to make mistakes because if I do, then that's going to ruin this image. And as a Christian, you you, you sure want to keep that image, mm-hmm. right? So I know for someone who's probably part of the ministry, there was more of an upkeeping with that. Right, and I think I think there are churches who, who say that. Yeah, yeah the scriptures talks about not being tainted by the things of this world. That's a hard thing. Yeah, and, and I don't think that they say don't be tainted as, and you can't wear the next new Reebok or the next new Nike. <laughs> <laughs> you can't wear certain types of shirts. Clearly, you can't wear something that's like that's vulgar in, in, in essence. Yeah, but it's that you can't be tainted, and that was a hard part yeah. because you knew you were. But somehow you had to make sure and make others believe you weren't. Yeah, it was definitely a battle of optics growing up too. Because, and I, if I remember correctly, I know that you wanted to get into this a little, uh, you know, into the, uh, into this podcast, but talking about how it would shape my social upbringing. And you're absolutely right with that optics of like, hey, I'm a pastor's kid. That means there has to be a a certain, you know, way that I, not necessarily carry myself, but I I can't do certain things. I, I, I should stay away from that. I can't do this. I can't do the third. But uh, I'm also so glad that you mentioned uh, the the uh, almost the the burden that we have to carry as being Christians, or at least growing up in this faith, where we're you know uh, where we're not allowed to do certain things because we are Christians. But you know, I, I think certain ministers have said it so nicely, where it's that you know, as you said, the church is a hospital for 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 the sin uh, the sinner and. To reject somebody over the pretense of, oh, you need to be perfect and blameless as you walk into the church. That's completely, uh, you know, devoid of the truth. You know, we, we, we all fall short of grace. We all short, fall short of God. And to, to, see, and to almost turn it into a competition of who's closer to God, that's, that's, that's a losing battle for everybody at that point. So, you know, yeah, to be able to welcome people into the church with open arms no matter what walk they're or no matter what portion of their walk they're on, you know. That's something I think we've all missed out on in one way or another. Yeah, I think uh, tr- <clears throat> transparency is a big thing. Uh, within the church is big. I think honesty is huge outside of the church. But also I think that there's some lack of, uh, of genuineness within non-believers towards mm-hmm. Christians. Mm. So for instance, uh, let me talk about the first part, which was the transparency within the church. Um, there are some that may think that because you're a PK or because you are a pastor or you're some you hold some position within the church that you're closer to God than someone who's not. Mm. Maybe you, you hold a bottle of grace. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Zelda. Mm-hmm. I, I love how every single time you are hurt and you find a bottle, you can heal yourself. Yeah. Um, if you play Resident Evil, there is the green herb. Uh, if you find the plant, it doesn't heal you very well. Mm. If you find the, uh, the plant bottle, it was you completely. The spray, mm-hmm. it was completely. It's like something that you have that no one else has, but it only comes with a position. Mm. And it, that that's very far from the truth, right? Very. It's like everyone can access this grace. The Bible talks about being confident and, and, and coming to the throne of God. It doesn't say, well, only if you're a deacon, mm-hmm. only if you're a pastor or you're an elder. Yeah. And so for, for those who are, not believers, I think they make it, they make it, they make it tough for Christians, but I think Christians can make it tough for themselves, mm-hmm. right? They, they put themselves in situations where it, it they know it's going to be sticky. Mm-hmm. You, you hang with certain people 
and you lack discernment, but then you're shocked when they invite you to go to a party. Mm-hmm. You're shocked when they ask you to do certain things. But that should have been something you would have called from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But because you want to keep tipping, you want to keep tiptoeing to see how long you can keep this relationship with people who are non-believers and their bad influence. Mm-hmm. Apparently, at the end, you're shocked when they call you out or they say things about Christians being boring. Maybe you should learn how to discern proper, I guess, good influence. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? I think that, that, that to me was hard. You know, it's like the church and transparency and, and picking out who I should call a friend. Yeah. You know, with non-believers. And, um, but it's hard when you already have a friendship with non-believers. True. And loyalty is such a, is such a, a big, broad term because I, I have my fair share of friends who are agnostic. They probably don't know it. They probably don't uh, deem themselves of it. They might be atheists in, in their approach. But um, after so much tenure with them, it's hard to let go of all those years of friendship, all those years of camaraderie. And, and, and I know in my own heart, I know that, you know, biblically, this might not be the best way to go about it. But for, for myself, I know that I, I couldn't let go of that friendship based purely on my emotional sentiment. And, I, and I, that's why I find myself in prayer about them all the time. It's like I, I, I've been a beacon hopefully, uh, to, to them for God uh, and, and, you know, shown them my Christian walk. And I can only hope that God, you know, melts their heart of stone one way or another. And, and I'm hoping that he uses me as a conduit to be able to plant those seeds. But um, but you're absolutely right. It, it's so difficult to let go of friends. Mm-hmm. You have so much time with them, even though, you know, you, you might be on different sides of the spectrum when it comes to that, you know, that spiritual battle. Has anyone ever, lo- like, left you and in, in a sense like has anyone said hey look uh i, I think your faith is in a way um we we, we can't be buddies or they, they did it in a way that it's like you just knew it wasn't gonna work mm. uh not necessarily a friend but uh, uh and i won't uh, we won't divulge <laughs> names here but i actually had a, a former partner uh mm-hmm. like um in which she and i shared very different worldviews and, and and god bless this woman's soul i hope nothing but the best from her but uh uh, f- nothing, uh, not only the best for her, but from her as well. It's just that yeah. she and I were just on different worldviews. And, and unfortunately, that led to irreconcilable differences, and we went our separate ways. So not necessarily a friend, but definitely a partner. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Um, because you almost want everything to work out. Absolutely. You yeah. want every, you, you want every, everybody wants everything to work out, but it's like it would only work out if you compromise, but you're mm-hmm. hurting yourself in the, in, the, in the midst of doing that. Yeah, right? those rose-colored glasses, you know, they, they, they might be rose-colored, but they, they prevent you from seeing the blood. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, we used to be part of this of this group, guys, um, in high school. It was called Hope Has Come Christian Club. It was where you, me, a couple of people were just talking about the Lord and... I was around 15 years old, mm. um, was not plugged in any church. Um, I went there because I felt like maybe this is sort of the right thing to do, right? And um, you went there for your own reasons. You were a lot more plugged into a church than I was. Mm. Um, but I just felt like even when I was in the group and I was going and I was getting picked up by a, a Baptist church on a bus on Sundays, mm-hmm. And before I was born again, like, I just feel like there was so much struggles in high school Absolutely. as a Christian. There's so much struggle in high school as a Christian. And I think if I look back at myself, um, I think I, I, I was living a, a very inconsistent life. Mm. And the same here. I, I think uh, it's that teenagehood for everyone that it's, it's so muddy and fuzzy considering 
from my understanding, the, the, the prefrontal cortex, your brain doesn't fully develop until 25, but they slap on the term adult on you at age 18 when you graduate from high school, right. even though you're, you're, you're not fully capable of making, you know, fully fledged and fleshed out decisions. Uh, so I, I know you said that you were 15 at the time, but hey, we were all up in, we were all in that growing up phase where, you know, things were, the world was opening up to us, but we were still so limited in not only our, you know, our maturity, but in a sense, we were literally not done growing yet. I, I, I'm mm. thinking to myself, oh, you know, I'm at, I'm here <laughs> at 20 years old, you know, just two years past, um, past my adulthood, and I think I'm done growing, but only come to find when I'm 25, like, you know, I'm all right, I'm, I'm even, I'm a little bit taller than I thought I was, you know, I'm a little bit right. more muscular than I thought I was, so it, it, it's all the process for me, I've been thinking to myself, like, it's all a process of that continual development, you know? Yeah, I mean, I remember there being, like, so much debate within, like, the Christian music. Mm. What should we listen to? What we should not listen to? I remember yeah. there being people in our group who would say, don't listen to circular music or worldly music. Just just using those types of, like, uh, those terms, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, my understanding of a, lo a lot of that stuff for me has changed. Mm -hmm. I think... I think I don't. I don't know if I use the word circular music. Yeah. Do you listen to secular music though, or, or? Do I listen to circ secular music? I listen to music that that's true. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, I listen to music that's true. Yeah. I, I listen to a Michael Jackson "Man in the Mirror." Heck yeah, right. That's it's true. You look yourself in the mirror to see if you can uh, be a better you to help. Uh, I, I listen to a lot of songs that are very true. Mm -hmm. I, I listen to a lot of romantic songs that may be a little overboarding, over overboard like. You know, it's like, is this for like people in relationships or in marriage? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand, <laughs> you know, but I, I love those kind of songs. Honestly. But for the most part, you know, I, I really am very careful um, when I play certain songs to, to my daughter mm -hmm. because I want her to know that she can listen to music even though the genre Christianity is not slapped onto it. Yeah. Not because, oh, well, they, they didn't say Jesus enough, but because the song is true. Yeah. I think as long as what they're saying is true to what God says, I think it's good music. Yeah. I think if the song has to do with things that are ungodly, I guess you can call that secular music. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, there are times where I'll listen to an entire album, even though it's totally ungodly, mm -hmm. uh, for reasons that I want to know where the artist is at. Yeah. I want to see where Kanye West is at. Yeah. So I'll hear his whole album, see where his heart is at, where see where his mind is at. And I love how you, you rely on the word what, what's true and what's not because, you know, I, I think, and it may, I might be going a little too deep here, but I think there's an affront to, um, or at least some sort of um, offense, let's call it, in quotations, to reality if, if something is untrue. If, if it's anti-truth, yes, it, it, it should be stayed away from, completely cordoned off. But the way that you say, hey, if this mu music is true, when I listen to Man in the Mirror, the way that it makes me feel where like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm staring at myself in reflection and what Michael Jackson says in there is completely true. But if, you know, me, I'll be honest, secular music is like a big thing for me. And I don't know if it's just the way my brain works where mm -hmm. I like the way that things sound, but I'll find myself listening to like disgusting trap drill music about these dudes in New York <laughs> shooting up, you know, this block. And I'm, and I find myself enjoying it so much, but at the end of the day, sure, that might be uh, quote unquote true their experiences is is the truth of goodness applied over to what they're doing and, and for me the answer is no like mm -hmm. sure you might be saying that I'm doing this I'm, I'm doing these drugs I'm, I'm doing these immoral acts uh, you're saying that is true but 
to say that it's grounded in something good, that, 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 that that's not true at all. They'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I'm shooting up this block and, you know, I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man in the, uh, around town. Yeah. It's I like, mean, that's not you true, ever, You ever try to, like, stop listening to it? Um, I can't say I have. And, and uh, like, if I could ask you, like, as, if, uh, in a personal level, dude, yeah. pray for me, man, because, like, <laughs> this is one thing I've always known to be something that I can improve myself upon. Uh, but it's one of those vices that I, I know has got me. And, and, and I like to seek, in a sense, solace mm. about exposing, my, you know, that truth out. Like, if I can expose the wound, more or less, and say, hey, this is, this is where I'm at with it. Um, I, I need a little bit of help mm. going through it. Um, that, that's like my first stepping stone yeah. into being able to fix the problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, if I'm being honest with you, man, it's, it's hard to take, uh, take, take, take that music off my playlist. You know, it's, it's tough, I think, because I don't know. I think more of the thought in those songs are in the beat than there are in the lyrics, mm. right? And so a lot of the songs are Christian or they're cleaner. And I, I think a lot of the songs now that are Christians are coming out that are, are recklessly good. Like, mm-hmm. in a way, I'll take that word back, reckless. <laughs> they're just tremendously good, Yeah, you know? But I think that there's something about, hey, let's not really focus on the words, let's just invest on the beat, mm-hmm. right? Let's invest in a whole bunch of sound effects of, of weapons and guns and cars. <laughs> it's like, it's so live. It's like, oh, I like this because it turns my car when I'm driving into a concert. Yeah. Whereas if you listen to something that's like, got to clean up the beat because we can understand that beats, beats can manipulate movement. Yeah. Right? Certain beats can make you feel a certain way and do certain things. The reason why there's churches that do not allow drums in the church. Mm. Because they understand that there's a science behind drums. Mm-hmm. Drums and rhythm and beat and shaking is like, well, that sounds like worldly music. Mm. For instance, there's people who just blatantly uh, disagree with Christian reggaeton mm-hmm. because of the beat. Because of the um, nostalgic, I guess, effect it has on them yeah it reminds them of the club right and so i think i think uh there's so much to say about music and i don't think i, I could even ex- i can even talk about it because i don't know too much do you mind if i throw in a couple like a pepper and something in there what's up? uh it's so funny that you mentioned the beat because i'm going to throw in a little anecdote here my my dad the pastor he uh he, he grew up quite um legalist in his approach very uh um what's the word i'm looking for not Simply Protestant, but Pentecostal, uh, charismatic. very charismatic in his uh, in his youth and in his upbringing, and I think he had mentioned how like the churches back then they would allow a trio of guitars and that's it. They won't let like like you said, no drums, probably no bass guitar either, because yeah. you know it's just uh, they they found that to be too worldly and too right. rock and rollish. And thank God, you know we've 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 kind of like evolved from there because now these like you said these beautiful concerts that inspire awe. Yeah. And like in, in, in us and really like for me, I love the, the feeling of the music. I think it's like it, it, it's one of God's forms of, of showing you, hey, th- like this is the world I've created bask in the in the glow more or less right. or in the sound of, of yeah. what I, I, I can let you listen to. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But now that you mentioned reggaeton, I mean, I'm a dance instructor, bro. And uh, reggaeton music is is I couldn't tell you the perfect history of it, but mm-hmm. it's based in a lot of these Afro beats, you know. And, uh, you know, if I kind of journey maybe a little off kilter in a lot of samba rhythms and samba being the national dance of Brazil, 
I mean, I'm not. I hope I'm not drawing too strong of a line here, but like these samba rhythms mm-hmm. are traditionally, historically, very um, almost provocative in their movements. If I'm being honest with you, and nothing mm-hmm. wrong with Brazil's culture, but you see it embody in some of their uh, in some of their photography. If you ask me, and a lot of their musical rhythms, that there's almost like a sexual nature to the way that they move. Mm-hmm. Not to like pigeonhole it as simply that, but like if you see Carnival, these ladies dancing in Carnival, they're shaking their hips in such intricate patterns, and it's beautiful to see because that's their art form. That's their right. that's their um that's their emotive expression for their music. Mm-hmm. But like you said, when you hear that reggaeton music, that that yeah. kind of might inspire somebody to like, like you said, it draws that feeling of nostalgia of, you know, hip shaking music, booty shaking music. Right. Where it, it might not exactly like catch somebody's uh, brainwaves the right way. It's like, oh, is this really Christian? You know what I mean? Right, right. But like, I, I, like, I, I, like I said, I would hate to pigeonhole it to say that it can't be used for the glory of God one way mm-hmm. or another, you know? I think there's, there has to be a, there has to be a way to clean it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there has to be a way to clean it because we, we definitely don't want to rob God from glory. Mm. We also don't want to serve God in, in an offering that's not holy. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, well, God's okay with with this kind of shaking, hip shaking, booty shaking. It's like, no, no, it's not. Yeah. And don't don't try to convince or manipulate the, 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 the people to say that's true. Mm. So it's like, well, how do we discern? How do we properly discern or filter what is good for God and, and, and what God has already said? of his nature in the Old Testament and and new. And so that's why I think for worship leaders, they have to be very particular about not only their lyrics, but how the beat goes, Mm -hmm. right? And, like, it's not just, hey, it doesn't matter about the beat. We have the lyrics. Lyrics are down. I I think it encompasses everything, Yeah, right? There's a science to beats. There's a science to music. And, um, again, I think there's just so much to be said um, and for that uh, specifically. But... um, I want to go ahead and want to jump into the next topic. How has Christianity helped you shape the world around you uh, compared to when you were younger? That's a fantastic question. Like I said, I got a couple of notes. I want to make sure I'm just drawing from those. But, oh, my God, faith played just an immense role in my upbringing. Um, I mean, I don't want to put this in such a, uh, I don't want to put it in such a wide lens, but, like, there was a constant questioning of morality for me. Um, and like I had mentioned earlier, there was always a concern of optics, um, how I would look as a pastor's kid to others. Uh, uh, to this day, I'm not a big fan of using Facebook to, to, to funnel my more or less intrusive thoughts because I'll admit some of my intrusive thoughts can be a little, a little messed up, but I'm a big fan of dark comedy. Mm. But um, in terms of the optics, like I know I have people that, uh, you know, it takes a village to raise a child and yeah. my village was my church. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So for them to see that I've grown and, and, and I have these thoughts, I, I hesitate to do it. I, I'm, I'll admit I'm not exactly the best when it comes to vulgar language. I, I use it and I will hesitate to use it on Facebook too, for those very reasons. But recently, and I've talked to you about this, I had a friend pass away and, le- and like before he passed away, I, I had such an emotional reaction because, you know, just the circumstances of how I found out how he was doing and the circumstances he was in, it, it caused me to lash out. And, and I said things on Facebook that I don't think I would have said in any other, uh, in un, any other situation. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, getting back to the heart of the question, it's just that, you know, it, it always reared its head that, uh, you know, the role that faith played into me. But, I'm, you know, I don't want to also, I don't want to say that it was purely negative. It was amazingly positive, the way that it shaped my um, my habits to mm-hmm. be able to converse with people and make sure the words that I said to them 
were coming from a um, an authentic point of goodness. I never wanted, like, I was never a fan of trash talking, whether it was, like, in competitive, like, uh, playing video games with them, or, like, in real life, where, like, I would trash talk somebody because I knew that if it didn't make me feel good when it was said to me, mm-hmm. morality and my conscience should dictate that if I said it to them, whether they felt it to the degree that I did or not, didn't matter. It felt like I didn't want to be that person that spewed, uh, you know, vitriol to, to others and make them feel even a fraction of the way that I felt because I knew that, like, words um, really affected me. And, you know, now that I'm in 28, you know, people talk about, hey, what's your love language, this, that. I, I'm actually a big fan of the way, you know, that model works. And I think that one of my love languages is words of affirmation. So right. knowing that if, like, someone throws words my way that don't affirm, like, oh, you know, I guess the goodness that I feel, I, I, I can only imagine what it would be for me to respond in kind to them where, like, I'm throwing words of uh, you know, just spewing hatred at them. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. Um, did now you served in the Marines for four years? Mm-hmm. Was was there ever a reason as to why you you stopped serving? Was it because of your faith? Is it was it because mm-hmm. there was something that had to do with I I just can't be and practice my faith, mm-hmm. or I felt like the Marines, or like for myself, the Army, the Army has has definitely. Uh, at least I don't think it, it drew me away from God more than it drew me close to God. Okay, it, it definitely was a a how do you how do you call it? It was just like something that was just there. Mm-hmm. But until I get out of this place, I don't feel like I'm at I'm in total peace. Yeah, I definitely felt something very common to that. Um, because I, oh my God, God has blessed me in so many ways. When I was in the Marines, I was able to. I, I was the barracks that I was in was yeah. right next to the uh the the. Uh, uh, the station chapel, and I would go to the chapel every Sunday, and I found a great group of young guys around my age in the faith in the Marines. So, you know, having that those Bible studies with them and having, like, a, a veteran guide us. Shout out to, uh, you know, Todd Matheson, if, if he ever catches this. Um, it, it was so such a beautiful experience to have that, but uh, on the same foot that you had, yeah, the, the, the military with, with how strict it is, and not to say it's not based in, like, Christian values or, I guess, Judeo-Christian values in general. Um, not to say it's not based in that, but there's a certain aura and a certain, like, modus operandus that, that I think the military had that not necessarily conflicted with our faith, but mm-hmm. definitely just, like you said, it put a wrench in it, you know? Um, the person that I had to be at work... I coined him as Sergeant Echeverria. Like, Sergeant Echeverria was forced to be a very different person than who you see currently as Manny. Um, the per- the person that I felt I was when I was a sergeant was, like, angry purposefully to put on that, you know, face of, like, hey, I'm tough, I'm, I'm, I'm in the Marines, I, I'm, I'm a leader here, and I have to establish not necessarily dominance, mm. but uh, establish, like, a... Um, a character or a caricature more or less where I have to be aggressive because if not you, you you know you know like in the military you get steamrolled if, if you're not yeah. uh, if you're not that person and um, so when I got out of the military it was definitely on on the same you know tone as you did where it's just like I can't be in here not necessarily because it like takes me away from my faith but it takes me away from who I am at at my essence and a big part of that essence mm-hmm. that I feel is 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 uh you know, this portion of goodness that I think I'm lacking when I have to put on this uniform. So nothing against being in the military. I think you could 
you know, anybody hearing this, you can be in the military and be like a person of faith, no problem. But, uh, you know, it's, it's different for everyone's experience. And I think we share that common experience, which is just, hey, after a couple of years, it, it was cool and all, but it's not for us anymore. Right. Yeah. No. So I, I, I served for roughly three and a half years of four, mm-hmm. um, got out, got into the reserves. And then just recently, actually, um, I was offered an opportunity to, to go AGR for uh, three years. But I still was I signed up for four. Mm-hmm. I really can't. It, it really didn't hurt me much because the unit is only seven minutes from my house, mm-hmm. right? So it's a goal thing. And just so I'm clear, AGR stands for Active Guard Reserve. Active Guard Reserve. That's so it's it's pretty much active duty. Yeah. But in a in a local level. That's super cool, right? So it's a local level type of um, just commute. It's not too bad. Now I knew when I was in the army, that was part of hugely why I got out of the army because the toxicity of how uh, just bad influence mm. kind of just drew me away. Uh, the profanity, the way of speech, the the personality traits you have to carry as a, as a Christian. You have to somehow always deem someone as lower because they have a lower rank. You have to always call them something very degrading. Yeah, the and hierarchy rules is just terrible. It's, it's, it's extremely bad, and so I just can't do that. And read scripture at the same time and say, well, this is exactly what the Lord wants me to do, to go ahead and, and, and call someone something that James chapter 3 says not to do, mm-hmm. right? Or, or show some form of partiality, but the Bible does not to do. Mm-hmm. It's all, I'm doing everything that's so contrary to scripture, and I always felt like I was walking in some form of disobedience. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I knew it, it was like a walk in paradox. I'm doing, I'm, I'm reading and, and understanding one thing, but at the same time, I have to walk and live another. And I can't say, well, Lord, you know, obviously my sergeant's letting me do this. It's like, I'm first a Christian and then I'm a soldier. Yeah. Now it's, I'm first a Christian. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm everything else. And then I'm a soldier because I don't, I don't put the, I don't put a soldier first. Yeah. Being where I am today. And now that I'm, considered an NCO for a few soldiers in, in my unit, I'm not putting up a front. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm a believer, and this is my foundation. Yeah. Unfortunately, in active duty, that benefit isn't there. Yeah. That benefit's ingrained in you to do what? To call, the, call it for what you see it and almost disregard their feelings. And, and it's really why tons of people in the military walk out and walk right into a therapy, a ter- a therapy room. Yeah. And as you said, the, the military in more cases than, than not demands you to be, you know, uh, the uh, the troop first, you know, right before you put any other identity in front of you. And oh, definitely. It, it must have been so conflicting to, to feel that. I think I think it's not just one way to feel this. I think uh, it's not just about whether I feel this in the army. I think we, we feel that in so many different roles that we play, mm-hmm. whether you're a college student and 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 your but your best foot forward is the best you. Mm hmm. Right? How do you want to be perceived by those around you? Yeah, depends on your first fa- your first step. Depends on what you say that comes out of you. The first thing they they know you. How do you want to be recognized? How do you want to be understood? Yeah, I think that if you are pushing that I want to be understood this way, just understand that, that that's going to come with responsibility, mm-hmm. and that might come up with a burden. If I want everyone to know me as a gamer, as a podcaster. As someone who's doing X, Y, and Z, and then I later say, hey, I'm a Christian, almost, that's like really complicated. Yeah. Because y- you almost have to explain all the other things 
that you did yeah. was probably like not Christian. <laughs> it's hard to get rid of that first impression. Exactly. And so I've understood that. And this is my tip for anyone watching and listening is let that first step forward be Christ. Because in everything else, it's, it's so much easier. It's so much easier. Absolutely. You know, and, and, um, I think even when I was 15 and 16 and we were in high school and I was trying to balance out Christianity, my faith, being born again, and then my family who wasn't really walking in, in, in with Christ, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what kind of music to hear. I didn't know what kind of movie there were to watch. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know what I could wear. I didn't know. So it's like my encouragement, at least for my daughter and for everyone out there is, is is a good foundation, I think, heals or helps someone when they start theirs. Mm-hmm. So so my daughter is not going to have this confusion, I would hope, as she gets older. Yes. Because I'll be there to explain it to her. And this is how things work. Whereas for me, I didn't, I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So you're almost, you're out there trying to balance and understand things out at 15 mm-hmm. as a Christian. It's <laughs> got to be so difficult, yeah, especially just, in that ripe young age. Yeah, and that's why I think our our Christian faith we we grow we grow in that direction. Whether it's in our teens or our young adult life, it's like it's it's good to grow. It's also good to grow with someone alongside of you. Yes, it's good. It's good to get help. It's good to seek guidance, a counselor who is a believer, and and they can teach you. Hey, you know, you you don't have to feel restricted. Yeah, and. I hope you don't mind if I try to tie a couple points here. I love how you've alluded to your daughter in multiple cases, considering that, you know, uh, I, I think people lose sight of, uh, you know, like I said, I don't want to get too into the weeds here, but like, I think we're living in a very, uh, what I've heard called antinatalist um, Explain society, that. Is, which is, you know, antinatalism is this kind of philosophy of like, you know, not only... T- not only to the feeling of not having kids, like, oh, I don't want kids, too much of a burden, too much responsibility. Not, I don't want to raise them in the world that we live in, but almost in a sense encouraging others to not do it. It's almost like an anti-life stance where it's just like, hey, you know, I'm not going to have kids. Nothing wrong if you don't want to have kids. Let me disclaim that right now. If you don't want kids, completely understandable. <laughs> but uh, we, we've talked about it. We're both Jordan Peterson fans where it's like, you know, that there's something enriching about the, the and, and fruitful about the venture of having a child. And I think you're right on it where it's like, I'm going to guide some, a, a small impressionable person towards, you know, this, 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 this bigger grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the, the, the truth, the, um, you know, goodness and, 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 you know, morality, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I was going to go on another point too, but I kind of, I kind of got lost in my own head on it. But mm-hmm. like to kind of put a period on the end of the sentence before I remember it again, I love how you're alluding to, to your daughter because, you know, that's what it's about. It's about teaching um, the, 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 the child in us, you mm-hmm. know. And tell you what, actually, this is a point that I was thinking. If I go back to my yeah. experience as a dance instructor, um, I teach a lot of, uh, you know, successful people um, who, who, who've established their career careers and have like, in a sense, excess time, excess funds to be able to like, you know, enrich themselves and they'll come to to me you know paying really good money to learn things and and I feel blessed to be in that position to teach others because it's almost like seeing you know a child in a sense growing Mm -hmm. up into their own where when you see like the 
the, the spark hit their eye when it's like, oh, I got the step finally. Right. I'm starting right, to feel right, right, like right. how it's supposed to feel. And, you know, I, I, in a sense, I'm still a dance baby too. I've been dancing all my life, but I've been only doing ballroom for about four years now. And I, I'm barely scratching the surface as compared to my coworkers and my, and my coaches who've been dancing for 10, 20 decades. You know what I mean? 10, 20 years. And, uh, you know, when, when they see me grow up and growing to like my adolescence and my teenagehood, quote unquote, and my adulthood of mm-hmm. dancing, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful experience to not only like hold someone's hand through the process, but have like your hand held through the process and guided through this murky water of, yeah. of, of anything, whether it's like dance, you know, life in general, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's good. I, li- I like the fact that you, you mentioned being guided in a sense. Oh, people, absolutely. People teaching you. Yeah. I, and I think that. We, we can use that for so many other areas in life mm-hmm. where we can say, hey, I don't know something. Um, let me not try to figure it out myself. Let me get someone to help me. Of course, people undervalue the, the, the use and utility of a, of a mentor, a teacher, an instructor, and, and whatever word you want to slap on it. People undervalue that so much. I think, obviously, I think there, there's some issues there where we try to figure things out. There is some form of, uh, maybe there is. Like maybe a form of healthy pride, mm-hmm. but I, I think creeps in is a very negative form of Ooh, pride. Yeah. Right. I don't want someone training me, right? I, I don't want anyone trying to take my credit. Mm. Right. So I, I can get a hundred percent credit. And I'm sure you guys have done that. If you get if you learn how to play a video game, you learn all these moves, you can say, Hey, I learned how to do it. <clears throat> you can also say, Hey, if I if I'm doing boxing <clears throat> and um I learned these moves, and I, I fought these fights. At the end, I can raise my hand and say, I did it. Mm-hmm. It was because of all my hard work. You never hear anyone successful ever saying that. Yeah. What they say is, I want to thank my trainer, yeah. my coach, my whole team. Because it's not just one person doing all the work. Yeah. It's never one person ever doing the work. Not at all. It's never one person. It's everything is, is a form of training. Mm-hmm. Um, from, from infancy Right, growing up, uh, your, your your parents are helping you train, right, and and then you learn how to walk, you learn how to talk, you learn how to eat, you learn how to do um, things that just require basic motor skills. Yeah, and then other things apply as well. If I need help to walk, I need help to talk. I need help. Why can't I just need help to learn how to do my job? Yeah. Why can't I get help to learn how to dance? Yeah. And I think that's the pride that creeps in. It's the pride right. that says, "Hey, I don't need God. I yeah. can do it myself. Hey, I don't. I don't need uh, Manny's um, advice and, and dancing. I can do it myself. I can go on YouTube. It's not the same, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely not. Because you same. can learn, but pride is still going to be. Pride is still going to be harboring in your heart. You're absolutely right. And, and, and that creates that that creates such a distance from you and God. Mm-hmm. Pride is is such a. It's like, you know, I, I find it to be my own, wor- or, oh, sorry, it's not that I'm my, um, pride is my own worst enemy, it's that I'm my own worst enemy in the form of pride, if, if, if you yeah. can see where I'm going with I that. I see that, yeah. Where it's just like, you know, I, I don't want to, um, I don't want to embrace or, uh, or adopt this community sense where it's like I can reach out to others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the military, I'll tell my boss this left and right, that the military definitely uh, left a scar on me where it's, they would say, hey, open door policy, you can come into my door anytime and talk about anything. And granted, <laughs> you could do that, but to say that there wouldn't be consequences would be would be completely, you know, out of the picture. There would right. always be consequences. Absolutely. You know, they'd be like, "Hey, why aren't you done?" Like, you know, you, next thing you hear is from your immediate supervisor, "Hey, why are you going to top about that? Why are you not talking to me about that?" So 
but it's like I thought there was an open door policy, you know. <laughs> Sorry if you. Yeah, I've seen that, that happens so many times. People take open door policies, but then you break chain of command. Yeah, it's like why, why, why give me the option if if there's going to be a backlash behind it? And like I said, it kind of scarred me where sometimes I won't go to my boss uh, and be like, "Hey, can you help me out with this?" Because I feel as if one, like you said, pride. Uh, it gets in the way, and it's like, I could do it myself. No worries. I'm not going to burden you with my issues. Uh, or two, it's like that scar of, of the past. But, um, you know, there, there's something beautiful in the sense of community where you're able to outsource your, you know, you're able to outsource and let go some of that burden of your on your own shoulders and say, hey, can you help me out with this? Help me carry this load, you know? Right, and, right. Uh, you know, people, people, people just omit that feeling of community. Like you said, for pride, man, it's crazy. Got it. Um, we're almost we're almost done. We'll we'll we'll, we'll follow up with the last, but I have a, a few questions uh, left. Um, this one might be a little personal, maybe mm-hmm. a little. Uh, uh, I want to be careful about this question sure. here. Um, how has your faith? How has how have you you, you navigate your I guess your relationship life with your faith? How, how much has your faith played in that? Or have you felt that you've had to step, you have to put faith to the side for a bit and you'll tag faith in 10 months from now, mm. a year from now? Some people tend to do that. Mm. And when you say relationship, I'm guessing you mean uh, intimate relationship with my loved one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, it's such a great question, actually, Josh. And so thank you for asking that. Um, it, it, it's an interesting balance because... Um, hey, if I'm going to be candid with you here, man, I I feel strong in my faith. I don't think there's many things that can shake me off of this rock that I find myself on that I believe that, you know, Jesus is my savior. You know, uh, the God of Abraham is the God of the universe, you know. And um, uh, it, it's not to say that faith has taken a backseat for my relationship because, you know, thank God for, 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 my, uh, for my girlfriend. Shout out to Kim. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it hasn't taken a back seat, but she and I have spent hours upon hours speaking yeah. intellectually and rationally about, you know, the basis of our worldviews, where my faith comes mm-hmm. from and where her, you know, her mindset is about faith. And, and, and I'm so blessed to have a girlfriend like her because, you know, she and I have started reading. Well, we read the Bible um, or at least the first um, book. We read Genesis not too long ago, mm-hmm. hoping to get into Exodus soon and really just, you know, take it piece for piece. Uh, uh, and, and really not necessarily deconstruct the Bible, but, you know, I've talked to her and thank God that my dad's a pastor. He introduced me into the idea of hermeneutics mm. where you take the Bible in context, not only in context, but by, by, by its raw language, not taking it filtered through the lens of, you know, translation after translation, not to say that they're wrong, but to right. understand the richness of ancient Greek and Assyrian and all these, you know, languages that the Bible was really written and you really get a good picture for it for, for the prose for the um for for the um beauty of writing in scripture that's not just literal textbook oh i'm going to read it word for word it, you know you really got to dive deep into the um the the stories behind it mm-hmm. but um yeah i'm blessed to have her uh and i i, I don't want to say that faith has taken a back seat i think because of her by any means i i'd want to say that more so it's on me um I've been trying to get back into church, but just due in, um, due to, you know, this is probably an excuse here, man, just due to <laughs> scheduling issues, it's hard to get to church sometimes, you know, but uh, no, no excuses. It's one thing that I'm praying for myself for that, like, I, I get that discipline back to, you know, go bang, going back to community, get back in communion with mm-hmm. a group of people uh, like-minded 
uh, you know, who, who practice faith. And absolutely, just to put a period at the end of this, you know, Kim's gone to church with me. And, and mm-hmm. that's something that I don't think I would have experienced with, with many other girl, like uh, ladies who, who I'd be, who I would be interested in mm-hmm. who lack faith. You know what I mean? But I like you. Kim being just the open minded person she is, I, I'm, I'm blessed to have her, you know? And, you know, there's a hunger. There's a hunger in people to yearn for God. Yeah. And um, there's a hunger that people know that there is something more than just us. Mm. I'm not exactly sure how the quote of Abraham Lincoln was, but I think he said something around, I don't, I can see how someone can be an atheist mm-hmm. if all they did was stare at the ground. Yeah. I can't see how they can be an atheist when they look at the heavens. Mm. And so I think when it, when it plays with a relationship in your faith, this is the reason why I said earlier, it's so important, it's so imperative to put that first, that best foot forward, yeah. make that impression, because I've known relationships where one or the other had to put their faith in the backseat mm-hmm. five months, eight months, maybe a year. It's they, 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 it's so, it's so back in the back seat, it's almost falling in the trunk. Mm-hmm. Almost forgot it was even there. And when they want to reintroduce the idea of faith, that could be a make or break for a relationship. Truly, um, I know for my wife and I, I know that the way I was walking at the time was very hypocritical in the military, mm. um, in my faith. But I knew one thing though, I knew that for us to ever get anywhere. I knew that she had to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. She had to be a believer because I knew it wouldn't go anywhere if she wasn't. Yeah. My previous relationships were people who were non-practicing Catholics. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, well, maybe that would work, right? They're Catholics, right? Maybe there's, we'll have a kid and we'll, yeah. we'll say, Hey, well, we all believe very, a very a form of godliness, but no power. Yeah. Uh, we believe in God, but there's no power here. Um, Speaking of which, do you mind if I can ask you something really quick about it? And absolutely, I hope uh, I hope this doesn't uh, cause any controversy. But uh, from uh, can I ask your denomination? I guess is the, is the first question. Yeah, yeah. So we're right now uh, attending a, a Baptist church. Beautiful. No, I I was raised uh, Baptist as well. And um, would you know if you had a definition to what soteriology you you follow? Do you like? I don't know if you find yourself under the uh, under the banner of like. I remember we spoke about Molinism many, many years ago. Uh, I find myself to follow the teachings of Calvinism. I know others follow Arminianism, but can I ask you, what do you follow? Yeah, so I believe, um, and I don't like the phrase of it, you know, I don't like the one saved, always saved, Mm -hmm. but that is where I believe, I believe in the persevering of the saints. Um, I believe that scripture is very clear that once one person is saved, once they've been regenerate, it doesn't mean that they're, not going to sin is not to say that they're going to fall into sin and so they fall from grace, mm-hmm. right? Um, I believe that one will believe, and I think even believe in Scripture says that even that's a gift from God. Yeah, And um, I also believe that you, you, you can live in rebellious and, and, and still be a believer, but you'll be living in sin. Mm-hmm. You will not be living in blessing, Yeah, right? I don't, I don't believe the lost sheep that, that Christ, the shepherd, went to look for was any less of a sheep or property of his because he was away. Mm-hmm. He still went and looked for that one sheep. Mm. He didn't say, well, I had 100, now I have 99. Yeah. No, he says, I have 100, 
one has left, let's go search for him. Yes. So God is constantly in search for the sheep who are his and have gone astray. He's always in pursuit of them because he loves them. Absolutely. Right. So I know there's people who will say that salvation is is work-based righteousness. Yeah, it's like contingent on, like you said, works. Right. And again, I don't see that in scripture. Mm -hmm. I don't see where one is saved because of their works, because of any of their doing. Um, If that was the case, like, hate to quote him, but Ravi Zechariah, it wouldn't be a gift. Yeah. You know, Um, it it wouldn't be a gift. At that point, it would be a transaction. Yeah. And so that's the definition of grace, you know. I'm hoping if I'm saying the right definition that you're thinking of, it's like what's given freely Mm -hmm. uh, uh, without, without... Condition. I don't know if I'm thinking the same yeah, thing that yeah, you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, I see the sticker you got too, like solo deo, sola, sola deo Del gloria, gloria. The, the the five uh, solas, like sola fide, only faith, sola gracia, you know, only grace mm-hmm. saved. But, but yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, that's that's really it. I don't, I don't try to ever complicate salvation only because I don't think salvation in Scripture is ever complicated. Mm-hmm. I think uh, anyone who does try to complicate salvation in Scripture, they, they usually will pickpocket a few verses. Right. And, and you can't do that. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think once you're redeemed, you're redeemed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're always going to have struggles. That's part of sanctification. But you've always been redeemed. So you've been justified. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. I like where you're going with this, man. Yeah, I think I think the only area where I struggle um, and I'm OK with it. I'm OK with the struggle um, is the genuine faith. Right, so someone can be genuine in faith. Someone can also be disingenuine with their faith. Mm-hmm. So someone can be genuine in their repentance. Someone can also be disingenuine with their repentance. For instance, Judas, he betrayed Christ mm-hmm. and killed himself. Yeah. Peter denied Christ but repented. Mm-hmm. You see that? Yeah. Right, so one returned back to the foot of Christ. The other one committed suicide. Couldn't live with it, right? So I think true repentance ends in 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 in, in godly repentance. It it, it 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 goes back to, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not a worldly sorry like Judas. It's not a a regret like Judas. It is a godly repentance. It's something that you your your soul feels. Yeah, and it grieves you. And the only healing to that, the only remedy would be. Returning back to Jesus. Yeah. And that's one of those things that, um, I, I'll tell you what, I feel, I don't feel like I struggle in this, but it's one thing that like really racks my brain all the time too. It's like, who, 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 who do we know genuinely, as you said, to be, you know, those saved by Christ. And like, I, I'm, I am not God by any means. I can never, never speak uh, to, to like, who is the elect and who isn't. But it's one of those things where I almost see that the finality of time will answer where it's like, as you said, in time, Judas couldn't live with what he he, he did, and he killed himself. But um, Peter, he uh, he repented, and um, in the fini- finality of time, we see who did what. You know what I mean? So, like at the end of the days, when 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 God comes, uh, when Jesus comes the second mm-hmm. time, uh, and we, we'll really see when the chips are down. You know who you know who did what. Oh, I'm sorry, not uh, not to say base it in Acts, but who um, who did what in the in the scope of time to lead them to where they were, you know, who, who, right. who, who did in time God put his grace over, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, 
I want to be careful when I say this. I think that if, if you can have a false form of repentance, mm. I think you have a false form of salvation. Mm. So if someone is not in the right mind, yeah. in the right heart, and they go off and they say, Jesus, Lord, but they're drunk and they're saying it because someone else is saying it. However, it's convoluted. Yeah. Right. They're out their mind. If there's no un- if there's no true intentions to those words, and you're just saying it like a lyrics to a song, Jesus take the wheel, mm-hmm. then I don't believe you're saved. Yeah. I think there has to be true intention, true intentionalities to Jesus is Lord opposed to, yeah, Jesus is Lord, man. Yeah. You know, it's like a very hippie version. Yeah. You know, because now that's the case, and, you know, we'll see all the hippies in the 80s in heaven. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think that there is importance to intentionality like do you believe who jesus is right mm-hmm. do you believe um and, and so what you believe jesus is is, is extremely important to that um i have one last question and we'll end it off with this and um if you could look back at the manny from before the manny of the 15 to 16 years old 17 even military army manny right that person who was however you want to describe him mm-hmm. What what form of advice would you say, man? I I wish I learned this. I wish I knew this. I wish I could have experienced these things to have saved me. And I I know that's a that's a wrecking ball question, but I want to go ahead and leave you with that. <laughs> I hope you don't. I hope you don't mind if I answer that, um, in like a soapbox version because, um, <laughs> I think I think that's what it required <laughs> absolutely man <laughs> well here i go here like um and and that's the funny thing like i i'm 28 years old right now but i still feel like sometimes like 14 year old uh, a 14 year old is still like control piloting the wheels up in my brain um only because <laughs> you know like I, I i'm still a fan of of the young things you know i'm a fan of um, i'm a fan of fart jokes still man i'll still crack a crack up if you if you make a <laughs> dumb joke and, right. and and the childlike humor i i, I find uh, so much, uh, not necessarily peace in that, but I find so much jubilation in that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So uh, it's almost like uh, trying to give to myself, uh, trying to give advice to my old self is almost uh, is almost weird because I still feel like I am my old self. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if I was to, you know, if you put a gun to my head and said, hey, man, you give your old self some advice, um, it, it, it would go along the lines of, I guess two to like this is a bit of a double edged sword, but in a sense, hey, be patient with things, mm-hmm. but also seek initiative in things. Um, I, I found that I wasn't patient enough with myself uh, in many aspects. I felt as if I tried to force, um, an, not not necessarily an issue, but force an image over myself where it's like, oh, you know, I can hang with the cool crowd, knowing good and well that it was. It wasn't genuine to the way that I had truly felt inside. Sure, I wanted to be able to be, uh, you know, sociable to anybody, whether it be like on this on the like lowest rung of like the social ladder to the highest rung of the social ladder. I'm a big people person. I'm a big extrovert, mm-hmm. and um, I think that extroversion in me came out in many bad aspects because like just too much extroversion, too much passion in the way I speak. Uh, you know, so it almost came off as forceful. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. So to tell myself, hey, be a little bit more patient, take it easy. You know. Uh, let things come organically and naturally as possible. Don't try to force any issues would be the first portion of it. But another portion is, and this is a big reason why I joined the military, was was to gain a, se- a sense of discipline and initiative towards the things that I know I wanted. Because um, 
I love the way I was raised, but you know, being the youngest of four, I don't fault my parents at all for this. I don't even know if this is real, but I always felt that you know, being the youngest, you know, they 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 dealt with three kids already. You know, they're helping them. You know, certain of the kids who are older through college, helping funding other kids. It's not that I was put on the back burner, but like you know, you got to wait your turn to get there. You know what I mean? Mm. And and uh, a lot of the times, I wasn't pushed to seek what I was truly gunning for because of uh, you know just not there yet, you know what I mean? And I always wish... What, what do you mean by that? Um, uh, if I can put it this way, I, uh, you know, the high school that we went to, uh, mm-hmm. Wilbur Cross, I went to, uh, what's this called? A bit of an offshoot school from it that we called uh, Wilbur Cross Scholars. And it was just like a branch school off of it. And I loved it. My mother was a secretary there. And, and I love this woman to death. I, w- I would take bullets for Carmen, honestly. But uh, she wanted to be... Uh, she wanted to have a bit of a watchful eye on me in the same sense that she had a watchful eye on my other siblings when she was the secretary at the main Wilbur Cross School. Oh, I see. I and see. I, can't, I can't blame her for that at all. I really can't. But I asked moms during high school, it's like, hey, I would love to go to this art school co-op to kind of see where I can take, you know, this passion for music that I have. And the answer to that was no. Nothing wrong with it because, hey, it bro- took me to where I needed to be in a sense where, you know, uh, I'm a product of my environment, and I think, you know, it, I was put in scholars for a reason, and I maybe I haven't seen it yet, but, uh, you know, I, I trusted the process of it. But at the end of the day, I, I am not exactly the musician that I'd like to be because of it. Um, knowing now that, you know, I'm 28 years old, and not to say that my prime is behind me, another thing that I would, like, coin this, this sense of initiative to is that I've had this dream, man. Like yeah. this absolute dream of learning how to break dance in a sense, because I, I, I love the beauty of the kinesthetics of it where, you know, these people are, are, are making beautiful motions and beautiful patterns with, with simply um, physicality. And, right. and it's been something I've been dying to do my entire life. But let me tell you, man, <laughs> you asked me to do like a handstand right now, I'm probably going to fall on your floor, you know, <laughs> and, and, and I haven't started that process so officially and so um i haven't grinded so much yet to to get to that goal but it's something that i wish i had started years ago because you know everyone says hindsight is twenty twenty. oh if i was investing in that stock years ago i'd be rich now right, right. you know yeah. so it's just that sense of like patience but also impatience that 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 healthy balance of patience and impatience would be something i wish i could just like you know force myself to know back in the day but hey at the end of the day um like I said, everything happens for a reason. The yeah. experience that had led me here have led me here for um, for purpose, and I, I'm 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 praying and hoping that God reveals that to me, uh, not necessarily sooner rather than later, but He reveals it in His own time. That you know, God, when when you want me to know why things are happening is when you want me to know, and I trust that you that you're doing it for 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 the greater good. For you know that you're. Your reasoning is perfect, God. Your morality is perfect. The, the way that you're doing this is exactly how I need it. I mean, uh, you know, we were talking about secular music. There's this one really cool song that I like to listen to, and, like, one of the hooks go, if it's not how I want it, it's just how I need it, mm. you know? Mm, and, yeah. it, like, my life, sure, it, it's been such an interesting ride. It's not exactly how I've been wanting it at all portions, mm-hmm. but that doesn't matter because if it's not how I want it, man, that's, it's just how I need it. No, that's that's so true. That's I, I agree. I think... Uh, I think sometimes, man, um, we want to put God in some sort of like headlock. Mm, mm. You know, we want to put our thoughts and our opinions, submission to God and say, God, listen to me. I don't listen to you. And I know that sometimes that can feel uncomfortable to know that God didn't put me to an art school or, or God, God didn't give me the, the, the certain type of car that I want or the 
type of lifestyle that I, I desire, you know, and then you go on Instagram and you see other people obtaining certain successes. And so you, you, you have this type of comparison, but I, I think sometimes what we might not notice is that God's probably saving us away from that. Yeah. N- not to say that um, obtaining possessions are, are bad things. Mm-hmm. It may be bad for you, though. Yeah. Not for them. Maybe they know how to, how to maintain. Not um, uh, not them, but maybe for them and their personality and what God has for them, possessions wasn't going to hinder their walk, but possessions may hinder your walk. Yeah, uh, only because of our personality. God knows how we work. Yeah, a Chevy for me, right? A super fast car, man. I might get into an accident. Mm-hmm. Thank the Lord, I don't have one. For real, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, might not bless you the way you want, right? Right, and so I think that. In, in 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 a sort of God's sight, he might be saving us from ourselves. Absolutely. From doing things that could have caused a lot of damage to our family. Mm-hmm. And, and and like it it sounds boring to say that, you know? But I think I think I rely I rely on the fact that one, God is faithful mm-hmm. and he provides all things that are according to his will, not ours. And and number two in this faithfulness, I, I believe God saves us from ourselves, yeah. from doing the things that we want, right? Because who's to say there are no minds in our dreams, mm. right? We have dreams, but there's no landmines in those dreams that we don't know about, and we can step on them, and we can Tell blow up. Tell, right? Tell me about it. So um, I don't know why I wrote this quote a long time ago, right? But there's this quote that I wrote, and I told my wife last today, and I just felt like I have to say it. Don't be involved if you're not going to be invested. Mm. And I, this may not have anything to do with what I'm saying, but I thought it was a super interesting quote that I wrote. And I was like, yo, I'm going to write that down. I agree, man. It makes me, it reminds me of that feeling. It's like, uh, uh, <laughs> this is maybe a more crude way to say, but it's like, you either got to get with it or get lost. You know, <laughs> if, if, yeah. like if you're not investing in, like if you're not going into something wholeheartedly in a hundred percent, you one, you're limiting, you know, you know, the product that you can get from it, but uh, you're limiting just so much from it you're limiting your potential and so yeah I, no i just i agree completely man yeah so i want to end off with uh Colossians chapter one verse 10 i think this plays very well with what we've been talking about yeah. and paul pray that you may walk worthy of god be fully pleasing to him bear fruit in all good works grow in the knowledge of god Amen. there's four things in that um one verse walk worthy of god and what does it mean to walk worthy of god I believe and we see that walking worthy of God also means reflecting the things of God, mm-hmm. loving what he loves, hating what he hates, you know, pursuing justice, pursuing love in the context of what scripture says, being fully pleasing to him, doing things that honor him, doing things that please him, doing things that are according to the scripture that he says do. I, I, I'm noticing a lot in the Old Testament. It has a lot to do with his nature. Yes. You know, bearing fruit in all good works hard to bear fruit when you allow some toxicity in, in, in that bearing of fruit, you know? Yeah, and you're not cutting off, like, the dead branches. It, it's and hard. Those dead branches, I've struggled with those things, are bad practices, Same here. bad habits. So, and uh, increasing knowledge of God. I think that's extremely important because I'm sure you love the girl you're with. I love my wife. I love to get to know my wife more and more every single day. Yes. We should reciprocate that very same type of attitude with, with the Lord. And, um, you know, I think that it's a healthy, it's, it, 
I don't want to say progressive because that sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different podcast, huh? Yeah. So it's a it's a good thing pursuing God on a day-to-day basis. And, and how, how do we do that? It's certainly not by our own will. Definitely is by the, the, the will of the Holy Spirit that helps us pursue God. Yes, yes. But uh, any Amen. final thoughts? Uh, none. Tell you what, I actually, uh, uh, I got nothing for it. Uh, it's been great talking to you, man. I like I would have never guessed that you had a podcast, and this is the first one I've, time I've ever done one. So I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> I'm privileged to be here. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm hoping we get to do something like this soon. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure you guys go ahead and subscribe. Make sure you guys go ahead and uh, tell me what you guys think. I'm going to go ahead and put this up on the uh, Anchor app. Go ahead and donate for the ministry if you guys enjoy what we've been doing. I've been lacking off a bit simply because life, being a husband, being a father, having a job. Um, but I'm here. In the midst of all this, may the grace of God and the peace of the Holy Spirit guide you into all blessings. Until next time, deuces.